From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 482 for October 23rd, 2023. Today's show is brought to you by Fitbod, Memberful, and Factor. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. 482 mm-hmm. with 480 me and 480 you, Mike Hurley. I love it. That's great. Happy, happy 482. A Thank you. Not particularly meaningful number. You just you made feeling it a little down. You feeling a little sick? Are you I'm a little under sick, the weather? Yeah. I apologize for how I sound. This is just okay. what you're going to get. And who knows? Deep, Mike. I hope I'll get to the end of the episode. But uh, I was on a call today with Stephen, as we call speak every Monday. And by the end of that call, uh, there wasn't much left. But then I took a little break and I'm back again. So we'll see how we go. But let's just get started with our Snow Talk question for this let's week's episode, it. which comes from Kevin. Kevin says, with the Orange Tube Man being such a hit for the Snell family on Halloween, do you have mm-hmm. any plans to also wear the orange, wild, wavy, inflatable Tube Man costume from Spirit Halloween? Um, no. Okay. It's cool, though. It is a or an orange tube man costume. Mm-hmm. Um, fun idea. Not for Jason. Thanks, Kevin. No. Do no, you never dress costumes. up for Halloween? No, no. Have I don't, you ever? I said I said this the last time. I don't like Halloween. Yeah, but you may have had to go to a party at some point. Um. Yeah, I have. You know what? I have. I have a T-shirt. That is Captain Kirk's shirt from Star Trek. Okay. I have a gold t-shirt with a little Enterprise, you know, badge on, just silk screened onto it. Uh-huh. And if forced, uh, it's either that or I will take out one of my sports jerseys. Okay, I'll take out got, like a Giants a, jersey a and a baseball player. cap yeah. and say I'm a baseball player. Those are my those are my fallbacks. And I'll I'll just remind everybody, I am somebody who went in sixth grade and forced to go to my elementary school's Halloween carnival, went, quote, undercover as a student. That's good. So you're yeah. very much the gym from the office uh, kind of vibe when it comes to Halloween. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that show, but but I assume Jim didn't like Halloween? No, and basically dresses up the way that you dress up. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am exactly that. Then. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I like this costume, though, and I think you should buy it. Or someone should buy it for you. Uh, I will say, nope. if the Snow Children are out there, buy this for Dad. I think he'd like no. it. No. Uh, if you'd like to it. send in a Snow Talk question of your own, go to UpgradeFeedback.com, and you can help us start an episode of the show. We will begin the next chapter, which is follow-up. The Take oh, Control of Photos follow-up. update is now up, out and available yes. for people. So what is this, Jason Snow? Please, I'm giving I... you the floor. Thank you. I do a book about the Photos app on Mac and iPad and iPhone, and uh, the latest version is out, which contains all the updates that were in the uh, operating systems uh, that were updated this year. iOS 17, macOS Sonoma. That actually was out about a month ago, but we did a new update for uh, all the wonderful sneaky things Apple sneaks in when they mm. release a new iPhone that require me to revise the book because there's suddenly a new feature that wasn't there before. Yeah. Um, thanks, it's basically Apple. a given anyway. at this point, right? That they're going to yeah, do there, that. Yeah. yeah. There's always. I think we draft it because it's just, it's it's so juicy to do that. So anyway, it's out. If you uh, have a, if you have last year's edition, I think this is a free update. Um, 
And if you're wondering about everything that happens in Apple Photos and how it works and how you can use it, uh, that book is there and you can buy it. I have two pieces of feedback from anonymous submitters about the, um, the, the, the Sonoma video reactions that we were talking about. Oh, yes. Uh, it was very fun for me, by the way. I'll, I'll point people to two things. One, there's a very good uh, video that was put together by Chip, who is our uh, video editor, of me trying out the video reactions while we were recording mm-hmm. last time. So Chip edited those into one of our reels. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, you also uh, wrote about this on Six Colors, as sometimes happens, right? We talk about a thing, and then you have a thought, and you expand on the thought on Six Colors. Yeah. And there's a screenshot of me with balloons, uh, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Anon wrote in to say, I was just watching a technology live stream and apparently air quotes would trigger the confetti thinking that people were throwing peace signs. This confused uh-huh. both hosts. I think that's Makes very sense. funny. But the one that is even funnier to me comes from another anonymous submitter who says, I was on a call with work with Apple Enterprise, which is a funny phrase considering you are talking about Star Trek a minute ago, the Apple mm. Enterprise. Uh, sure. And the unexpected video reactions affected them too because they use WebEx internally, which for some reason doesn't support these reactions, but they were calling us on Zoom. So they were triggering the reactions in all sorts of inappropriate moments unexpectedly. They didn't know why and they didn't know how to turn them off. Oh, the irony. It's kind of great, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. People yeah. are struggling. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good. I, I I talked about that subject on podcasts a lot, and realized I hadn't written anything on it, and I just kind of wanted to get that down. The idea that I see the 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 conundrum of having a new feature and wanting to turn it on, but also having it be something that's going to take people by surprise and confuse them, and the sort of a follow up to you and I have even talked about in the past this idea of how do you get people to discover new features and um, finding better ways to sort of prompt a user and say. For example, hey, you just finished a video conference. Did you know we have some new video conferencing features? Instead of, surprise, you have balloons or trying to throw up like a dialogue box when you're starting your meeting, which is the last time you want to stop and read a dialogue box. It's the eternal problem, right, of people will say, your features aren't discoverable or your features are getting in the way. And this is, but the thing is, this is Apple's problem to solve. It is not exactly. an easy problem, but they have to find a way to solve it. This is the job, right? That's that is the job. And I think that they I think they need to, yeah, take pride in the fact that user experience is a priority for them or it's supposed to be, and they need to find ways. And I feel like with TipKit, which they introduced this year. Which is a great feature. I love it. Yeah. I feel like they're heading down that path, but the video the video effects is a really good use, uh, like example, a really good use case of like what was the decision. Basically, what I'm saying is, I think this is a class at Apple University, right? Yep. Which is like, what were the features? What was the decision that was made? What are the other options? What was the user reaction? Could we do this better next time? I really like TipKit, but I have a piece of feedback about TipKit too. I mm-hmm. wish there was a way for apps to know I've already done the thing before. Right, like I'm getting a lot of tips and right. apps that I've been using for years, and it's like I know how to do this thing. I've done it already. But, yeah, you know, that's a one-time frustration for the benefit of everybody else. I think that can be done, but the problem okay. is the apps have to track that behavior. They don't. And if they then, didn't track it before, yep. but but I've had that same thing where I open an app and it's like, hey, did you know you could do this thing? It's like I do that every day. But 
as I said, if we have to endure that one time, but it makes it better for everybody else, like that is, you yes. know, we will we will die on that hill. You know what I mean? Like we will take that sacrifice. For, yeah, it's for it's fine. Else. I get it, right? Because I do. I, it's a, if it's a feature I use every day, it's obviously a great feature, and they're concerned yeah. that people don't actually know that it exists. Like, yeah, you should you should tell them. Okay, so it is a new Apple Pencil. <laughs> Ooh, pencil oh, news, pencil news. Let me give a quick recap for how we got here, Ooh. starting from last week's episode to now, because I do think there's some interesting context here. So, on last week's episode, we spoke about the many and dueling reports over whether there would be any new iPads uh, debuted in the week to come. So, last week, 9 to 5 Mac were very confident that there would be new iPads but it did not come to pass. Mark Gurman was very like firm in saying there would not be new iPads. Mac mm-hmm. Otakara said that there would be a new Apple Pencil only, and that's exactly what we got. I think I imagine, I think I remember me and you being like, there's no way that's the case because it doesn't make any sense. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, however, mm-hmm. Mac Otakara said that, they, uh, that this pencil would have new magnetic tips, which it did not. Nope. Uh, the new Apple Pencil itself looks like the Apple Pencil 2, it will attach magnetically to an iPad, but does not charge. It includes a USB-C port under a sliding cap, has no pressure sensitivity, does not have the double tap feature, but does support Apple Pencil Hover. That's the yeah. state of play as we are today. Yeah, it's basically Apple Pencil 1.5 mm-hmm. or, you know, 2 minus, because mm-hmm. it, it looks like an Apple Pencil 2, but it's like 2 minus some mm-hmm. features. But it's also minus some features that are in the Apple Pencil 1. So it's very weird. It is really Apple Pencil Lite, I think, is where we're headed yeah. here. And there probably will be a third generation pencil. And that will probably be Apple Pencil Pro, essentially. And then we'll have the two. Um, it's, uh, yeah, this is... I, I laughed when I saw this announcement because it is both sort of like what was reported. Obviously, they had some information that was right. And that that Mac out of car report was like, there's just going to be an Apple Pencil. On its face, absolutely correct. However, there was this thought of like, well, well it's going to be a third generation Apple Pencil, obviously. Right? And it's like, oh no, who could have predicted that it would be this thing that is less functional in some ways than the original Apple Pencil? Yeah. But at least it doesn't have like a cap with a nub under it it's just got a sliding out port i could imagine that there might be magnets in that cap and so they were told it had magnets and they just decided that it was magnetic tips because that made the most yeah. sense or something right you know what because I mean? you're filling in you're filling in the blanks and yeah. if you're not too diligent about it and or it could get mistranslated or there's yeah. other things that it could be but yeah it's interesting like if, if we take a step back what i like about this announcement is it's a new low cost apple pencil that will that anyone can buy right so like if you don't need like i don't use double tab and i don't use pressure sensitive sensitivity no. right i don't use those features um doing like podcast editing in ferrite i don't use those features so i could save money and the only downside for me would be because i can use this with an ipad pro the only downside would be I can't charge it on my iPad. So if, if it's out of juice, I got to go find a USB-C cable somewhere and plug it in. That's that's the downside. Is a, per, a per, I mean, once you've used the Apple Pencil 2, is a pretty big downside. And like, well, this it is, is why it is. <laughs> I, to this day, stand firm on, while inelegant, the original Apple Pencil, you could charge it all the time, right? So yes. like... If you have a, if your iPad's battery is full, and you're yes. out at a coffee shop with the new Apple Pencil, That's why they did it, and it dies, 
unless you have a cable with you, you cannot charge it. Because I'm sure you could probably charge it from a device, right? You wouldn't actually need to plug it in, just like cable to the iPad or the iPad. But you need a cable. And so like while inelegant, I still think that the Apple Pencil 1 was the best that could have been done at the time. And like, and I would argue that this, whatever this is, the what are we, what are we actually going to call this? product well right for now it's the usb-c apple pencil the usb-c apple pencil uh i'm not sure that it is practical i actually no i don't think it's practical uh as, as a design i think that people think they want this right so you don't have the little cap or whatever uh mm-hmm. but i actually think that this is a worse design from a charging perspective like a usability perspective it's a compromise right and it's funny because we've been talking about like what would a compromised Apple Vision non-pro be? <laughs> yeah. And and the compromises are all about like what's core to this product versus what can we get away with dumping, even though it makes it less nice. And being able to charge when you're with the device is a I mean, from the day they announced the first Apple Pencil, like that was fundamentally part yep. of the device right yep. is you're out with your ipad your pencil is this tiny thing with a tiny battery it runs out of battery what do you do you just plug it in for a minute and then you're good to go mm-hmm. and when they made this version of the pencil they tossed that right they said okay yeah it is nice to do that i don't think personally i don't think this is apple abandoning that concept it might be but I, my guess is not because being able to charge it wherever you are without having a cable is a really nice feature. But I can also see how they threw it overboard for two reasons. One is to make a cheaper pencil, and two is because they have some iPads that can't charge that way, like the 10th generation iPad they introduced last year, for which this seems to be the perfect pencil. However, it came a year later, which is so weird. So weird. I'm just realizing, because maybe I've forgotten this. But for the 10th generation iPad, what pencil were you supposed to... Oh! You use Apple Pencil 1 but there was with like the wiggly janky adapter, right? lightning to USB-C adapter, yeah. Yeah, so what happened here then? Like, why? What happened? <laughs> why is this... Why what is happened? this product now? Why uh-huh. is it so late? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't, other than Apple maybe being like, look, we just ship them when we're done. We ship them when we got them and then we'll figure it out later. But it seems weird that one, the iPad Pro or the iPad 10th generation shipped. Think about that one, right? For last year, shipped at a higher price than people expected. They had to keep the 9th generation price in the line because the 10th is just too expensive. The 10th has all these features that don't exist in the rest of the iPad product line, and it's got this janky adapter uh, in order to use the Apple Pencil with it. Mm. And from the perspective of today, I, I have been thinking for the last week, why did this pencil not ship last year with that product? Because it would be a much better fit. It would make much more sense. It would be much more elegant. All right. Here's my counter that I've been thinking about today, which is... Why did the 10th generation iPad ship other than that it was ready? Because like it wasn't going to fill the spot of the 9th generation. No. It made all the other iPads kind of look bad because they were making some updates and upgrades and changes. And could, would it have been possible to delay it six months and and have it ship with this pencil? Or 
I just, again, there's probably a good reason. It might even just simply be we had to deprioritize it. It might be that they got a lot of feedback about that, their pencil strategy. I, I kind of don't believe it. I think they knew that, that it was a compromise and they just weren't ready to supply a replacement yet. But something very strange happened here that these two products that seem almost made for each other got released a year apart. Do you think this could have been no i was gonna no, that doesn't make any sense i was just gonna say like could it have been something to do with like the USB-C changeover but they'd already already decided that for the ipad so it's not that right they had a USB-C ipad but they didn't have a USB-C pencil for it that charged by a method that wasn't induction and the new ipad didn't have induction so they had to use the old pencil that had a port yeah. but it was the wrong port so they had to do an adapter right and it's like what i mean we'll wait for the i fix it tear down but <laughs> This doesn't look, doesn't, on the face of it, look like a complicated product, right? Like it doesn't, No, you know, I can't look at it and be like, oh, well, they must have had problems with this part of it, you know, that, no. that may be delayed it. But yes, it obviously got deprioritized, but it's, it's strange to me that they went to the lengths that they went to creating a new keyboard case for the iPad that right. kind of nobody was asking for. When the Apple Pencil is, is I think, maybe more of an important thing, especially because an existing keyboard design already existed that everyone was okay mm -hmm. with, right? The smart keyboard. If I had to guess, I would guess that there is a, a, a real conflict or there has been a real conflict between the people who are designing iPad hardware and thinking about where the iPad is going as hardware yeah. and the people who are in charge of the sales channel for education. That's my guess about what's at the core of this. I could be wrong. Okay. I'm just I don't have any inside information, but that that's my guess is that and you see it when the 10th came out and the 9th remained because uh, they have to hit a price point especially for education. I think there's the legacy of having lots of first gen pencils out there and having a lot of like to <sighs> So it feels like the hardware people are ready to move into the future, but that the uh, sales people and the market aren't ready for it. But that's why I keep coming back to the 10th generation iPad feeling kind of unnecessary. Like, did it need to ship last October? It gave them a new iPad to sell. And the fact is, it probably sold pretty well into general consumer market, right? Not education market, general consumer market. But even for them, if they wanted to use the Apple Pencil, they had to have this weird adapter to do it. Um, something got out of whack there and, and it's just, of course it happened in the iPad product line, right? Because that's the other thing is that, uh, first off, uh, please note, no new iPads in 2023. So that happened. The biggest iPad announcement of 2023, other than iPad OS is this pencil. Hmm. Uh, and the iPad line is weird, right? Because it's got the Pro, but it's also got the Air, and the Air is a lot like the Pro. And then it's got the feature mismatch where there are different features in different places, like moving the camera and that different accessory that you mentioned that's got the back plate with the kickstand and then a, a separate attachable keyboard. Like, the iPad is all over the place. And this year we got no clarity because nothing changed except that there's this new pencil. And, and, and so for this pencil to come in, like, again, it's just like... Uh, what is it? It's like Troy walking into the the apartment with the pizza and the apartment's on fire from community, yes. right? That, yeah. that That's what this is, is the pencil is just minding its business. The pencil's like, hey guys, I'm a new pencil. And it walks into the house that's on fire, the apartment that's on fire and goes, oh no, right? Like, it's not the pencil's fault. I think this pencil as a low-end Apple pencil, essentially, it's fine, right? Like, I, 
I would value other features of it. All of our confusion and, and, and critical discussion here is actually nothing to do with the pencil. Like, it's what the pencil indicates. It's Yes, it's about the rest of the iPad. So, you know what you just said there? I was trying to remember. Is this the first year since the introduction of the iPad that there has been no new iPad? I expect so, right? I think so. That's odd. That is very odd. Yeah, right? And they have so many of them. <laughs> Yeah, they oh they sure do. Let me let me quote from the article that you wrote about the Apple Pencil, which wasn't right. really about the Apple Pencil. This is going to well. be great because it's going to be in your deep voice and it's going to make yes. it sound very impressive. Still, it's hard to look <laughs> at the shenanigans in the iPad product line over the last few years and not get the sense that things are kind of a mess. This new pencil should have shipped last year with the 10th generation iPad. There's insufficient differentiation between the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. Leaving old models aside, it just feels like there are too many iPads, doesn't it? It's possible that we're witnessing a reset, however. There hasn't been a single new iPad announcement this year, and given Tuesday's Apple Pencil announcement, it sure feels like there won't be one. Perhaps 2024 will bring us a new wave of iPads that will finally make the product line make more sense. But don't get your hopes up too much. Apple will probably still keep selling some of the old models too. It's what today's Apple does. Hmm. I want to believe that they're going to get the product line in order, but, and you know, it can be overstated, right? Like, I think that those of us who are staring at the iPad product line, we think about this stuff and like, it's confusing. And that I think we can overstate that, right? Like consumers don't need a tidy, consistent set of products in order to buy a product. But it helps is the thing, right? Like that's that's the line here is I'm not saying that nobody's going to buy an iPad because they look at the iPad lineup and they say, nope, <laughs> I'm confused. I'm out of here. But having a lack of clarity or or too much choice without clarity about how to make a choice, right, is not great for consumer behavior, right? I think that a lot of people are like, mm, I don't even know. iPad Pro, iPad Air. And sometimes you just say, forget it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to worry about it. And that's that's the bigger danger here is not that like all of us nerds are saying this should be a tidier product line. It's more like if you're a buyer, how do you choose what to buy if the product line is kind of all over the place and doesn't make sense? You know, I'm going to I'm going to stop you there because I think we need to come back to this. Oh, in rumor roundup. OK, but before we go from this segment, I do just want to read a succinct list of what friend of the show John Gruber would do to the iPad ah. lineup. He wrote okay. Daring Fireball, like a, a similar-ish. He came from, from a similar place that you did of like the Apple Pencil was showing to me something more. So this is what Gruber would do. Drop the 9th gen iPad from the lineup. Lower the price of the 10th gen by $100. Update the iPad Air and maybe the mini models to be more like today's iPad Pros. Face ID instead of Touch ID, for example. Major revision of the iPad Pro, put more Pro in the product like the iPhone 15 did, and update the Magic Keyboard, ideally in a way that continues to support both iPad Airs and 11-inch iPad Pros. It ought to be better, thinner, lighter, and more durable. Okay. Pretty good list of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I could quibble with some of the details there, but like, what he's asking for is some clarity mm-hmm. and 
And again, this is the difference between saying, I want a clean product grid because I'm an Apple nerd and I and it bugs me that things are out of place. And the, I want consumers not to be confused about what the right iPad is for them. Yeah, the ninth gen iPad shouldn't exist and the price should be lower. Like that is the easiest one to do, in my opinion. Right, well, I think, right? and I mentioned this in my article, I think that there, this is a, emblematic of Tim Cook, which is, I think Apple is less willing to budge on its margins in the short term, in the near term for a new product in order to, and and is more willing to just keep an old product around in in order to maintain their margins. And I I feel like, and I'm not on the inside, so I don't know the details, but just my gut feeling from out here is that there, there used to be a little more aggression in taking the hit to put the new product in there. And now Apple doesn't want to take the hit. So they bring out an M2 MacBook Air and they keep the M1 in the line. They bring out the 10th generation iPad and they keep the old one in the line. Um, That said, you know, I also get that there's education customers who don't want to spend the extra money on it. And if you're not willing to lower the price, then this is where it it gets us. It's not just education, right? Or just, yeah, I think the education customers are driving it. Um, but yes, it's in general, they're worried that they don't have an iPad down at that price. And I guess my counter argument would be embrace the fact that you improve the low end iPad and, you know, in a year you're going to be able to bring the margins back to where you want them to be, but maybe, maybe take the hit in the meantime. And today's Apple's like, nope, we're not taking the hit. You know, that's why we make all the money is <laughs> because we don't take the hit. We're just going to sell the old one too. Yep. And I get that. Um, the iPad mini absolutely needs an update. The iPad air needs an update. I, I much prefer face ID to touch ID, but I also understand that if you want to say, look, touch ID is good enough for the iPad, unless you're paying a lot of money. I I can, I can see that argument, but the truth is that every iPhone has face ID at this point. Right. So maybe that's what we should do. All but one. All but one. All but the one. So, yeah, I mean, I would like the iPad lineup to be clearer. I feel like Apple does actually is trying to get to a destination with the iPad, but the problem is it moves very, very slowly and it's all kind of out of sync. I do think that there's probably more of a plan than we can see, but when you're only updating these products every 18 months, you end up in this situation where everything, like we we get an outlier like that 10 Gen iPad that is probably saying this is what the iPad is going to be more like in the future, but the rest of it isn't ready yet. And that again, but that one was, so they shipped it. <laughs> so I don't know. There's, it, it does feel like I said in my article, maybe there are too many iPads. Part of the reason I say too many iPads is also that the more of them there are, the less clarity there is about what is this iPad for? At the end of the day, if you're buy, thinking about buying an iPad, you want to be able to look at the product line and say, what's the right iPad for me? And if there's a lot of crossover and there's a lot of variety of like, well, this does this thing, but this does this other thing. And then these things are the same size, but this one has this slightly different feature. It starts to get um, confusing and that's bad for consumers, which I think is the only, like the neatness of the product chart on the corporate report is irrelevant. The confusion in consumers though is a problem. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at FitBod. When you're looking to change your fitness level, it can be hard to know how to get started. That's why I want to let you know that FitBod is an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan that is just for you. 
Everybody has their own path to personal fitness because it is, in fact, personal. This is why FitBod does so much work to make sure they customize things to suit your exact needs. They have a powerful algorithm that will learn about you, your goals, your training ability, any uh, equipment that you have, and your experience to build a custom dynamic program all within an app that makes it super easy how to learn and perform every exercise. They do this in part with their over 1,400 HD video tutorials to show you how to perform every exercise. They're shot from multiple angles, so picking things up that are new are really really simple your muscles improve when they work together with the whole system of your body your entire musculoskeletal system so overworking some muscles while underworking others can negatively impact results you're going to see superior results when a workout program is tailored to meet you your experience your environment and your goals which is why fitbod tracks your muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout routine by mixing up muscle groups exercises sets reps and weight over time that will increase your overall strength keep your body sharp but also make it fun and different and and fresh every day you can keep track of your achievements and personal bests of fitbod's uh, progress tracking charts it will also integrate with your apple watch Wear Wearable smartwatch and apps like strava fitbit and apple health i really like the simplicity of the apple watch app that it just tells me what i'm doing right now if it's an exercise that i'm familiar with then i don't need to go pick up my phone and look at how to perform it i can just do the exercise and progress i think that's really cool Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. Fitbod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% of your membership by signing up today at fitbod.me slash upgrade. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash upgrade. That is F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash upgrade and you will get 25% off your membership. And thanks to Fitbod for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we're into rumor roundup now, and we're back to dueling news over product announcements. Oh, the mysteries continue. It's continuing. In his Power On newsletter, Mark Gurman is reporting that Apple is getting ready to announce new Macs literally at the end of the month, either October 30th or 31st. Gurman is expecting an update to the 24-inch iMac and maybe the MacBook Pro. But it is unclear, from his reporting at least, what these updates will actually be. <laughs> um, in, in Mark's report, he also talks about how uh, Apple have wanted to update the iMac sooner, but haven't been able to get it done. Similarly, they've been kicking the can down the road on a new 32-inch iMac Pro, but current estimates put this as a 2024 to 2025 product. Ming-Chi Kuo is reporting that he expects no new Macs or iPads to launch in 2023. Ming-Chi Kuo says the iMac will get its update in 2024. Wow. Disagreement. Again. Mark was was right last week, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, something is going to happen. I think think something is going to happen. You can feel it in your bones. I feel it in my bones. Do you, yes. feel, do you feel it in your email inbox or what? <laughs> you feel it in I, I signal feel messages it, I, or what? I, 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 yeah, I feel... Well, <laughs> look, the, the it's always hard this time of year to say, are things uh, being updated for holiday promotions or are things being updated for new Apple products at like Apple retail? But it seems like they're are updates coming in Apple retail. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen some reports of this. I have a theory. I'm going to give you my theory. Give me the theory. I don't Jason. know if this is, I, want it. I don't, I, I just, 
because this is like last week where we're forced by con- conflicting reports to guess about what will happen. And last time we got a very weird Apple Pencil. So who knows what we're going to get this time. Yeah. But here's my theory. Give me the theory. We're going to get, let's assume that German is right. And there's going to be an iMac and, a, and maybe a MacBook Pro update. What would those even be? Here's my theory. iMac, after all this time, I am going to make the be prepared for disappointment guess and say it's an M2 iMac. That would suck. Not an M3, <laughs> an M2 iMac. So it's the end of the iMac. The end of the M2 cycle is the iMac instead. And it's just a, it's just a, an update. Maybe there's a an M2 Pro version alternately, but you know, that would be the silver lining of that. I think. Right. Because they could do new M3, right? But it feels like maybe the M3 is just not, now is not the time. If they put an M2 Pro in the iMac, like that would, I think, maybe be more exciting than just putting an M3 in it. Yeah. I agree. You know, that that would be good. That would be worth doing. And then like reshuffling where the iMac is in the the refresh cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets, it gets it updated and out there and it's not a high priority for apple obviously and then they they worry about the m3 later Mm -hmm. but if that's the case if the m3 isn't shipping yet and it's an m2 imac what is what is this macbook pro update that we're we're hearing about yeah i can't get my head around that at all this doesn't make any sense to me here's the the thing i made up in the the shower this morning are you ready Uh, yes (laughs) It's covered in soap. They're selling the MacBook Pro comes with soap. It's so slippery. Oh, um, here's my theory: is it's a redesigned 13 inch MacBook Pro that's still an M2 but doesn't have the Touch Bar anymore, and it's more. It looks more modern. It's got the curved edges and stuff like the the high end MacBook Pros, but it's still just the cheap 13 inch MacBook Pro. Hmm. Right. So not a new not a new chip. Just no Touch Bar. It's the, it's the, we're going to make this thing look like the 14 and the 16 now. And maybe, maybe a display update or something that makes it, you know, nicer. Maybe it's got an HDR display or something like that. So you think they're going to keep that? That's, that's my, I think they are. I think they want to have that low end MacBook Pro and that low end MacBook Pro design has not, literally has not changed since 2018, right? When they introduced the touch bar, it's been the, the same 2018, right? Is that, is that right? Or was it before then? Anyway, it's it's since the bad time. You know, I, I would say I was went to the store because I forget the prices of all this stuff, right? Like, it's so hard to keep track of it all. And I can see why they keep it in the lineup. It's like a $700 difference between yeah. the stars. Oh, it's prices. enormous. It's two, yeah. it, MacBook Pro starts at $2,000, yeah. except for the 13-inch, which starts way less. So it's the, the... What happened is they introduced the MacBooks with Touch Bar, but they kept around the MacBook Escape. <laughs> <laughs> right, which didn't have the touch bar, and then eventually it got the touch bar, and that that is this thing that is still kicking around. So that's my best guess. And again, it's based on the premise of what could a MacBook Pro update look like if there are no new chips? What would it be? And that is my best guess: is it's just a rejiggered uh, 13-inch. So it's model. like it's like a chunky MacBook Air, right? It's like a chunky Visibly. MacBook Air. It's the same size, but but bit yeah. thicker. And maybe it's maybe it's only M2 Pro, 
and maybe it's so it's got ports that you know it, it's got things that it, that it could do that the air couldn't do but yeah basically that's what it is chunky macbook air this i will that's say while there is my a, shower thought for the day a, <laughs> it's a peculiar product i mean the fact that it's still in the lineup is peculiar right like it's similar to what we we're just talking about um but there's price whatever this would make more sense to me than anything i can imagine that they would do to the existing 14 and 16 Oh, yeah, that's just it. I don't think there's anything for the 14 and 16 to do except get an M3. And, that, right? and I feel like we're not there. Because the M2 ones came out this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't imagine they would go all the way to M- when we right. haven't seen an M3 chip. Yeah. So imagine a new 13-inch MacBook Pro that has a new design, maybe an upgraded screen, and... I think the the way you do this is and an M2 Pro chip in it, which means it gets it can have more ports. Uh, it differentiates itself from the MacBook Air in a bunch of different ways, <laughs> while still being way cheaper than the two thousand dollar laptops. Jason, it's gonna start at. <laughs> it's gonna start. Where is it gonna start? Let me see. It will start at fourteen ninety nine, and the existing MacBook Pro thirteen inch will remain in the lineup. That's what's gonna happen. You, you know, you know that I I was gonna say the same thing. I was gonna say we're gonna we were like yes, finally we got rid of the 13 inch MacBook Pro and Apple's gonna go ah, ah, not no, so no. fast. Or like oh we bring that one down now in price. That one's now 10.99. No, I don't think so. I think I I think it stays at 12.99. But I they, was they kidding. Make a... I really hope that that doesn't happen. Like genuinely, to me, if they do this redesign and keep the old one around, it feels pointless. Like just keep it. It would be, like I said, it would be the ultimate kind of Apple move of like, yeah, we finally replaced that thing you wanted us to replace, except it's not going away. It's still there. Like, why did you do that? From, but- like, from my perspective, Apple needs to be doing a better job of convincing the 13-inch MacBook Pro customers that they actually want a MacBook Air. Because, like, th- by and large, that's what you want, but you don't know that, I, I right. believe. Like, the 13-inch MacBook Pro... It has what a little bit more ports and it has a touch bar. Like the the MacBook Air is so good and so powerful and so thin. Like, yeah. but I would expect most customers that's what they should be using, but they just don't know that. So if I if I had to guess, what I would say is redesigned hardware available with as an M two for twelve ninety nine the, the current price point. Yeah. With super stripped down specs and really unpleasant, but new, not the old design. Yeah. But that M2 Pro starts at fourteen ninety nine, and that's the one you really want, and mm. that's their upsell. Something like that. Mm. I don't know the the yeah. This is the finally give this thing an update because it's not been updated. Anyway, that's my that's my theory. I have no information about this. I just want to be clear. I'm making this up. That's good. <laughs> The Discord is rightly correcting me that the 13-inch MacBook Pro actually has fewer ports in the MacBook Air. Yeah. Like, really, like, that is what Doesn't you have want. Doesn't Like, the MacBook Air, yeah. in my opinion, best Mac ever made. That's the Mac you want. Like, yeah. it's so good. So how, how do you differentiate? And the answer is, well, yeah, it's a chunky MacBook Air that can have a Pro chip in it and, and now finally doesn't have the touch bar and finally does have MagSafe. Yeah. And supports if you buy the pro configuration supports multiple external displays and like all the things you want that go beyond that base that's in the macbook air that's that's i mean makes sense makes sense if you think about it Mm. um not 
and then again, this goes back to saying like there are Apple nerds who are concerned about the the tidiness of the product line versus there's just like the business of selling computers that Apple is in. And I think about this with this too is we all want to have Apple product announcements that are, you know, entertaining, <laughs> exciting, make us really thrilled about new developments and all that. But part of the job of selling computers, a lot of computers in, in a Mac product line is just keeping it you know, keeping them updated, keeping it, making them available for sale. They're not always going to be exciting updates. And that's why I'm saying like it, it, an M2 iMac at the very end of the M2 cycle and an M2 13 inch MacBook pro are not ever going to be exciting products, but they tidy up the Mac line, get those slots refreshed and allow Apple to move into 24 and start rolling out M3 Max. So uh, I, I think I, I wouldn't be disappointed by either of those moves because I really think the iMac should get updated, especially if it got a pro chip option. That would be awesome. And I love that iMac and I, I want it to be better and I want it to be updated. And I and I don't like that base model 13-inch Pro. And if they finally kick it to the curb, that's going to be awesome. But like, is it a, an exciting update that makes you very thrilled about the future of the Mac? Well, no, that's not what it's for. It's tidying. It's it's maintenance. It's just something that needs to be done. You know, last thing I want to say on this, and we can move on. Uh, but I feel like maybe the the MacBook Pro is suffering from the similar problem that the MacBook Air did, which is like the brand recognition is so strong that mm -hmm. people want the MacBook Pro. Yes, even though they don't necessarily need. I firmly believe that the reason that that 13-inch MacBook Pro exists at all is not just because of corporate buyers, although it is that too, but it's also the brand recognition. Some people, but whether I they're corporations... I feel like the corporate buyers is a similar thing, right? They're like, we yes, want a MacBook the same Pro thing. for our employees, and what's the cheapest one we can get? <laughs> Some people don't want to buy a non-Pro, and they think about the MacBook Air as like, that's for consumers, that's the little one, that's going to be lesser. And even though this 13-inch MacBook Pro is not really lesser than the MacBook Air, um, it is... You know, it it fills the slot. It's got the name. And that's why it exists up to now. But yes, wouldn't it be nice if Apple gave that thing a redress to be somewhere in between the M2 Air and those 14-inch models? And it was something in between more expensive than the Air, more capable than the Air, but not like one step behind in hardware design like the current model is. All right, Mark Gurman agrees with with Ming-Chi Kuo that there'll be no iPad refresh this year. Um, Gurman expects iPads to come in March, where we'll see an update to the iPad, the iPad Air and the iPad Mini, along with a revamp to the iPad Pro, but it's not completely clear that this iPad Pro revamp will actually make it in March, but that's the earliest he would expect mm. to see it. And Digitimes is reporting that Apple is working on a 12.9-inch iPad Air. <laughs> More iPads. This report would mirror what 9to5Mac was talking about a couple of weeks ago. There would be multiple models of the iPad Air in future, but they didn't have any information on it. They just heard that there would be multiple. Uh, Digitimes says that this would be an LCD display, obviously, not a mini-LED. If this happens, does what happens to the iPad Pro, do you think? Like, Do you think that the iPad Pro will start at 12.9? Okay, so because Apple really likes reusing products, 
part of me thinks the pro and the air will keep will will parallel themselves parallel each other in size because it means that they can design one or two for two sizes magic keyboard if they do that they better have a really good reason for why you'd want an ipad pro well it's going to be you know hdr oled with um with uh face id and i don't know what else but it'll probably be the display primarily uh, maybe the processors too, be a, a a newer generation of processor. Yeah. Um. But you're right. If differentiating on size is not necessarily, I don't I don't think they want to differentiate on size because I think they want to reuse accessories. Across I would the wonder lines. though the the fact that they never updated the display on the eleven. Yeah, it does make you wonder um, if it could go that away. They never planned to update the screen on the and, 11. And there's some big iPad rumors out there, right? So it's possible that it'd be like 12.9 and then like 14 or 15, a mega iPad Pro for artists or iPad Studio or whatever, right? It's possible. It's possible. Um, it's hard to predict what Apple's going to do with the iPad, right? Because we're already so baffled about the yes, iPad that we don't really knows. know what they're going to do. I wanted to say, also, Gurman's report about an update to the iPad, full stop, right? What is... Are they going to do an 11th generation iPad? Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I, maybe they're just going to put an M2 in it. Well, the base model yeah. is not, right? Base model's not. Base model will be an A series something, right? Oh, does the, does the iPad have an A chip in it? Yes. I forgot. All right, then they'll put the yeah. what they're going to put in the mini, which is the A whatever, 16 Bionic or something. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't Same know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what that update is since they just updated it a year ago mm-hmm. and they still have the ninth generation in are we going to get in a situation where they're going to kick the 10th down to and kick the ne- the ninth off the price list and then have a new 11th and how is it differentiated from the 10th or do they just get rid of the 10th and keep the ninth around or do oh. they i just i don't know what's happening there that is weird that the, those would get an update ipad mini absolutely deserves an update i think the question with mini for me is um what does it look like does it look like a small ipad or does it look like a small ipad air my hope is that it looks like a small ipad air right in terms of power and functionality yeah i would prefer it to do that but then you've got the you have the stage manager problem you can't put stage manager on that so it's actually worth keeping it on the a chips as a reason that's okay that's why it's not on there yeah, although you could say it doesn't work with Stage Manager because the screen's too small, but it, you can plug it in and it'll work with Stage Manager. Yeah, you can do that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I don't think. It, well, like they could, but I don't think Stage Manager needs they any can do more asterisks to it as a as a thing. Yeah, I know, and yet they could do it. Like, yeah. what's stopping them? We didn't really need more Apple pencils. That's true. And we got those, so anything is possible. But yeah, it's a uh, it's fascinating. I I don't know. I mean. Those of us who observe the iPad as part of what we do for our our livelihood, I think, are all kind of fans of the iPad Air and the iPad Mini as the sweet spots of this yep. product line. I, I have a 12.9-inch iPad Pro. I love it. Um, it hasn't really changed very much in the last, you know, whatever, since 2018-ish again. Um, but I love it. But the Air keeps coming on. And so you have this question of like, if, if you take Gruber's advice and you make a face ID, then like what is in the iPad Pro at that point? And there better be some new things, um, whatever they might be. I'll just say it again. Ability to virtualize Mac OS on an iPad that Pro sure do would it. be a real nice differentiator. That would sure do it. 
And there are all those rumors that there's a new Magic Keyboard, right? And that's, that's my other question is like, what is the new Magic Keyboard? And is that something that is on the Air and the Pro or is it just on the Pro? I don't know. It's fascinating. They, they got a lot. I mean, literally everything has to be updated next year. So here we go. I would also not be surprised if the Pro ended up not being until the summer. And finally, a rumor roundup from Mark Gurman. I'll read a quote. Apple is planning a new system for its retail stores that will update the software on iPhones prior to sale. The company has developed a proprietary pad-like device that, uh, that the store can place boxes of iPhones on top of. That system can then wirelessly turn on the iPhone, update its software, and power it back down, all without the phone's packaging ever being opened. The company aims to begin rolling this out to its stores before the end of the year. Yeah. What year so, do we live in? That this is this is wild. This, year. this is wild. Okay. And and this is a little bit of follow up cuz they talked about this on ATP last week too and and they they seemed kind of like completely uh yeah, like you. They're like this is wild. How is this? What is this? And I don't know. I looked at this and I thought I could see it. I can see how this works. No, I could I could see like it, it's an interesting idea, but it's like it's bananas to me that it can. Like some, how does it turn them on? So here's the concept. Here's the concept. Um, Apple ships all the iPhones from the factory. They ship yep. them in a very particular state of of software where they are re- they are ready to be uh, log- set up. They're in a setup mode essentially. They they're charged to like eighty percent, and then they're put in the box. So Apple controls that, right? So it it's possible that Apple can do this so that if it receives a particular signal or if it gets a little ping from a uh, from a, an NFC or from a wireless charge or whatever, like it's, it gets it and it's, it knows that it's the Apple signal. It feels like there's some kind of Bluetooth low energy or whatever, like how they do with Find My, right? There's always something going on with the device even when it's right. off. So when it's off but in that mode, it is actually sitting there listening for a very specific signal, whatever means yep. it is. And when it gets it, it is, and I don't even know if there's data transfer or if it's literally looking for a particular Wi-Fi connection, um, you know, that is controlled by Apple and at every Apple store and that every iPhone that's in that state can see that connection. And all it uses that connection for is running software update and it runs the software update it's completely headless obviously there's no screen the screen's in the box the box is closed and it says do i need to do an update yes i do it runs the update it reboots and it goes back in that state and it powers itself down to almost nothing magic and there was a lot of consternation on atp about like what if it doesn't you can't do an update unless it's 50 percent battery and i'll say first off who made that rule apple who's willing to break that rule Apple. Apple yeah. can break that rule. If Apple's Hell confident no. that it doesn't actually need 50%, it just will. It will. Apple could do whatever it wants, right? So I think that that's what's going on here is they're going to charge the phone to a level where they're fairly confident that by the time it reaches a store, they can do this thing where they can wake it up and it's going to look around, get on the network because it's a known Apple network because it's an Apple retail store. It'll do its update. And they might roll this out to partners at some point too, right? Where they just you set up this Wi-Fi and in, in this way, and then your phones will do this too. And here's the pad and all that. But really, that's the only plan here. Is is let's do a let's. Obviously, they looked at the issue of having to make people. It's like what we said about making the upgrade to a new iPhone delightful. 
Well, software updates make it not delightful. And as John Syracuse pointed out on ATP last week, if they're going to do more shipping by boat (laughs) instead of plane, the lag between OS versions is going to be even greater. So they, if if Mark Uh, Gurman's report is taken as, as to be true, they have built in a system in the, in the iPad or iPhone firmware that says, uh, I can wake up, I can do a software, I'm going to look for this network, I'm going to do a software update, and I'm going to reboot and go back to sleep. And I can do it all while I live in my little box before I get sold to anybody. And like Apple controls the whole process. So I think that this is pretty straightforward, actually. And I wouldn't worry too much. Like They ship those phones with a lot of battery in them. And this is, although this can take time, they're not even necessarily like lighting up the screen. They're literally in the background doing a thing that Apple has built. So I think it's a cool idea. And I don't, I don't think we need to overthink it. I think that this is uh, Apple engineering a whole special state for a new iPhone that they can do something with in order to force a software update while it's still in the box. It's a great idea. And one little bit of follow-up mentioned by David Schaub in our, in our chat room is like, I kind of want iPhones to ship already connected to my Apple ID. Well, let me tell you, Amazon does that. Amazon devices that you buy uh-huh. for yourself on Amazon, unless you tell them no, they come logged into your Amazon account. So I, it would not surprise me if the end goal of this whole thing for Apple is for that phone to arrive already uh, prepped for your Apple ID. I mean, you'd need to put in your password and verify and all of those things, right? They want it to be secure. They don't want people stealing iPhones in order to get access to your Apple ID. But I could see ways where they could do some more personalization stuff right out of the box. But, you know, anyway, we'll see. But the idea of the software update is exciting. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Memberful. Sometimes taking a risk is the move you need to make to get to where you want to be. Have you ever told yourself that you're ready to monetize that work that you're so passionate about, but you've never done it? Now there's no excuse because Memberful makes building a membership business easy. Memberful has everything you need to run a membership program of your own, including a streamlined and powerful checkout, an easy-to-use member portal, transactional emails, and a member management discord. Memberful lets you build the membership that's best suited to your audience with custom branding available, newsletters, podcasts, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free and paid trials, automatic referral discounts, and tons more. And their analytics give you an easy-to-use, in-depth view of what's working, what's not, and where to double down. Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools you're already using, including MailChimp, WordPress, Stripe, Discord, and more. And if you need them, you can contact their world-class support team to help you simplify your membership and grow your revenue. They're passionate about your success, and you'll always have access to a real human. I want to touch on two points there. We obviously use Memberful here at Relay FM, Upgrade Plus, a longer ad-free version of the show is powered mm-hmm. by Memberful. Uh, we love the integrations that they have, the fact that we can hook up our Discord, we can have a Discord, and all of the management of membership to the Discord is done by uh, Memberful's integration is great. So like somebody signs up, they can log in. If they end their subscription, they will be removed from the Discord. Very simple. We love that it works so easily, so we don't have to worry about managing that. And also, the customer support from them and more is fantastic. So... Uh, whenever we have any questions or any issues, we can talk to someone at Memberful and they're real people. Like we're actually talking to people in their chat or by email. Uh, and they're also incredibly helpful for us about guiding us towards new things to try to make our membership program better. 
So go and check it out right now to see if it could work for you. You can get started with no credit card required by going to memberful.com slash upgrade. This could be the next great move for your business. That's memberful, M-E-M-B-E-R-F-U-L dot com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's do some upstream. Oh, Got yeah. a couple of upstream things going on. So mm. Killers of the Flower Moon came out. It's the new Scorsese DiCaprio movie that was originally started at Paramount um, and Apple bought it out and it apparently cost like $200 million. Uh, this movie is notable for a few reasons. One of them is the fact that it's got a full theatrical release um, before it comes to Apple TV+. And Apple have so far not said when it's coming to Apple TV+, which I'm sure was the thing that was in all the negotiations to convince people to go to the cinema and see it. The problem is nobody's going to the cinema to see it. It had a low opening weekend with $23 million, which is not great for a $200 million movie, but... Kind of makes sense if people know it's coming to streaming and it's three and a half hours long and mm-hmm. there is uh, less people going to the movies these days. But so it's a low opening weekend, mostly compared to its budget. But yes. what I will, well, what I will remind people is the the cinema take is essentially immaterial to Apple. I mean, it's money. Yep, but. Apple wants to make a movie with Martin Scorsese and have it be on Apple TV+. They they want Scorsese to bring his, all of his next movies to Apple TV+, right? That's what they want. Yeah, they they want him to be on Apple TV+. They want him to win Oscars, be nominated for Oscars. And Martin Scorsese wants his movies in movie theaters. So this is the agreement is we will, and and lots of filmmakers are like this. This is the only reason you'll ever see a Netflix movie in a movie theater. Is because like Ryan either Johnson, they right? want to, yeah, they either the director says I want this to be in a movie theater, and they do it in order to keep the talent happy, or because they want a particular, um, uh, you know, be Oscar eligible or whatever. Those are the reasons. But Apple, in the long run, I think Apple is more open to this. But I, I also think that theatrical Julia and I talk about this a lot on downstream. The idea is it's money, right? The theatrical, it's money. It's also marketing. Right, you market, market the theatrical release, you get all the all the reviews and all of that. Then when you put it on your streaming service, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, I I heard good things about that. I've been meaning yeah. to see that Martin Scorsese's new movie. Yeah, oh, and now it's on Apple TV Plus. Okay, great. And like that that there's a lot of benefit there. But so, well, it says I, Mike Hurley. I mean, I am the exact person who wants to see this movie. Right, the pairing uh-huh. of Scorsese and DiCaprio is that's like my dream pairing always. It's classic. My favorite actor, my favorite director. They go together. I'm gonna wait. I'll wait. Mm. Because it's so long. Yeah. yeah. That's My understanding why. is I, I think there's a longer version <laughs> that'll be on Apple TV. And that's fine because I'm at yeah. home, right? Because you're at home. If they, if they said this is a three and a half hour movie of an intermission, I would go to the cinema to see it. But I don't right. want to sit down for three and a half hours in the cinema without going to have a break. And I don't like using the bathroom in the middle of a movie. I don't like doing that. So I won't do it. But that's a long movie not to do that for. So... Apple would just put this on Apple TV Plus if they had their druthers, right? Yeah, they they would, they would yeah. not care. Yeah. So uh, the low opening weekend kind of doesn't mean anything Nothing. other than, I mean, it would be great if it were a huge hit and they had to hold it in and all that. But like this was a hard sell anyway, given the subject matter, given the, the length of the runtime. And the point here is to make Marty happy. That's the point. Uh, I hope he's happy. And then it will pop up on stream. I've been seeing ads all over buses for this 
movie. And yeah. And they're all over the place. But I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's reviewing well, but I mean, I'm just going to have a great time of it when it comes out. It's like how I, I felt about too. The Irishman, right? Similar thing. It's like, oh, yeah, give me that movie at home. <laughs> it's at only home. an hour long. Yeah, exactly right. So the game the game that Apple's playing here isn't theatrical at all, but there there has to be a theatrical release and it doesn't it it, it doesn't really matter if it does well or not. Um it's a tough sell and here we are. The problem with John Stewart has been cancelled at Apple TV Plus. I'm gonna read from Charles Bloom Moore at The Verge. The New York Times reports that along with concerns about some of the guests booked to be on the problem with John Stewart. Uh, it's Stewart's intended discussions of artificial intelligence and China were a major concern for Apple. Though new episodes of the show were scheduled to begin shooting in just a few weeks, staff has learned today that production had been halted. According to The Hollywood Reporter, ahead of its decision to end the problem, which is <laughs> the name of the show, <laughs> to end the problem, yep. I guess it became a problem, Apple approached Stewart directly and expressed its need for the host and his team to be aligned with the company's views on topics discussed. Rather than falling in line when Apple threatened to cancel the show, Stewart reportedly decided to walk. The Times' report doesn't detail what about the show's planned coverage of AI in China prompted Apple's executive leadership to butt heads with Stewart, but considering how pointed critically... Uh, Pointed criticality, ooh, that's a new word for me, is a big part of what ultimately made the problem with John Stewart a hit for Apple TV+, and how maintaining a cordial relationship with China is crucial to Apple's future plans for growth. It doesn't come as a shock to see the show hitting the chopping block this way. That's end quote. I just want to pull up one point. I'm not sure sure this show was ever a hit for no. Apple TV+. Like, I think mm -mm. it got some viral steam for a few interviews, but that was all focused around the YouTube channel. I, I, I don't think that any of the like interviews that went viral, like you can go on the YouTube channel and you can see what ones I'm talking about. There are videos, you know, it's like, this is 100,000, 200,000, and there's videos like 3 million views, right? Like you can see which ones became popular, that they broke out a bit. But I don't think this is ever a hit for Apple. And I mean, we spoke about it at the time, like at least at the beginning, the show wasn't very good. Like I, I don't yeah. know how it changed because I, I stopped watching it. Um, what is your take on this news? Well, I want to throw in one more reporting thing, which okay. comes from Matt Bellany at Puck, who said, my first question when I saw that the problem with Jon Stewart was scrapped on the eve of season three was, what took this long? Yeah. And what changed? Stewart already did two button-pushing seasons of the show. According to sources familiar, Apple execs took more of an interest in topics last season. And when Stewart began discussing plans to delve into the 2024 political campaign, they voiced increasing concerns. So Stewart bailed. Pretty simple and relatively little drama. So this is this is interesting, the little drama part of this, where hmm. um, it sounds like... Okay, so a few things here. Um, first off, you don't hire Jon Stewart and expect that you're going to be able to give him a corporate edict about what he can and can't talk about, right? And if Apple really did think that, then they didn't know then they were getting themselves in they for. didn't they, then that's incompetent. Which I don't because you, you you can't believe you can't that, that was you case. can't. So, uh, but I will say when it was a big get to get John Stewart. It's like, "Oh, we got John Stewart, right?" Like prestige and everybody loves John Stewart. But the show, as you said, the show wasn't that great. Um, it felt a little like he didn't quite know what to do. He didn't want to do the daily show. He didn't want to do last week tonight. You're right. John Oliver, his former correspondent and guest host is already doing that show. So how do you do a, a show? He was probably sweet talked as well at being like, you can talk about your favorite issues. And he did like the, the interview with the, the veterans who weren't and the, 
who weren't getting support and the 9-11 responders mm-hmm. who weren't getting medical support and things like that, right? Like advocacy things for him. And so they talked him into doing this, but the show wasn't that great. And you you get to a point, if you're Apple, where you're starting to think, well, wait a second, what are we getting out of this? And this is what Be- Bellany says, what took so long. is like, if the numbers aren't very good and the prestige really isn't there so much, and all it's going to be is Jon Stewart um, bringing up issues that are going to make our our thorny partners mad at us, <laughs> even though it's not us, it's him. How do we keep, why do we keep doing this? And so my guess is that they had a conversation, which is why Matt Bellany says drama free. My guess is that they have had a conversation that was more like, and I know that they picked it up for season three and people are like, aha, but they they didn't just cancel it. They picked it up and then canceled it. Well, there's a lot of that happening in Hollywood right now. A lot of that happening where uh, after the strike is over, everybody's taking stock of where they are now versus where they were and making changes and saving money. Yeah. And, and I'll say, like, it's, it, there's a thing to say, like, oh, they're just getting ready to start. They're probably meant to have started months ago, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so that they're, they're, like, right. further down the the line than would necessarily be expected based on contract and, like, the, what was being produced and when right. it wasn't being so produced. So my guess is, based on Matt Bellany saying relatively drama-free, is that somebody, an executive, sat down with Jon Stewart and said, okay, John, I know we picked this thing up, but it's not really doing very well. And th- your list of topics is is just like a greatest hist- hits list of things that we are very carefully managing relationships and they're going to give us black eyes. And we told you we wouldn't interfere, but this really gives us concern. And and my my read on this, based on the drama-free report from Matt Bellany's Sources Familiar, is that it was one of those things where Jon Stewart was saying, I understand and I'm not interested in doing a show. That that Apple basically said, please, we'll we'll keep paying you for this season, but um we want you to, you know, we want you to back away from some of these issues. And if you don't want to do that, we can just walk away. And Jon Stewart said, let's walk away. And that would be how you would do it that's drama-free. Um, but I will come back to the other point, which is um, Apple, I have a hard time believing that Apple was so deluded that they went into this thinking they could tell Jon Stewart what to say. However, after a couple seasons where you're thinking this isn't really you know, picking up viewers and it's really not getting us prestige and why are we still doing this, to then continue, especially if you had a problem and dealt with fallout for some of the topics in season two, you get to season three and you're like, Oh, are we going to do this again? And then you have a conversation and maybe the conversation isn't so much. Um, we need you to change, uh, your topics to suit us as much as if this is where the show is going to go, we would rather just end it now. And, and I come back to again, Matt Valany saying drama free that, that this, it seems to be like Apple knew it wasn't working. Steve, uh, uh, John Stewart, knew it wasn't working and they they walked away and that's the end of the show. But um but yes, if if this really is fundamentally if Apple is micromanaging John Stewart and telling him what topics to cover because they're sensitive to Apple, if that's the case, that's just that's that's incompetence on the part of Apple because you don't hire somebody like this and then not give them editorial freedom. Um, but again, I think in the end, if it was a hit and everybody loved it and was talking about it, Apple would give him all the editorial freedom because they would be benefiting. But once they're not benefiting you and you don't have that 
uh, you know, that's when you go and say, look, (laughs) you can either be a hit and tweak all of our uh, source bots, or you cannot be a hit and not tweak them, but you can't be not a hit and tweaking them. And Jon Stewart at that point was like, okay, let's just end it here. That feels like a more practical read of the story to me. I mean, like, you know, I have my biases, all right, which might suggest that I don't want to think that, like, Apple's just, like, bursting in the door and being like, you can't talk about that. Cause, but, like, you know, and, and so this seems more, to me, realistic as a, a way that this might have gone down, especially because we know the show was not successful. And so, right. that, as you say, at that point, like, why even continue? And I would say, like, I've seen a lot of people online saying, like, this is censorship. It's like, yeah, but, like, let's be real here for a second, right? Let's just think about this practically. Apple is paying for this show to be made, right? They are paying for the show to be made. If they don't want to keep paying them anyway, and now we're also getting into things which are going to get us into trouble, why would they keep doing that? And like realistically, John Stewart is fine. Like John Stewart can just go tell these stories somewhere else if he really wants to. Like mm-hmm. John Stewart has not been censored by Apple. Apple doesn't want to keep paying for the problem with John Stewart, so they've canceled the show, right? And like the all of these things can be true. Welcome to the world of corporate-owned media, which yeah. is all media, yeah. basically. And this stuff happens all the time. And again, if you're successful, they'll let you say, like, uh, first AT&T and now Warner Brothers Discovery, they let, my impression is, they sure let John Oliver say pretty much yep. anything he wants. Because John Oliver's a great success for HBO. Th- that's a successful show. Yeah. And that's the difference. Um, and here... Like I said, I think the problem with Jon Stewart was always more valuable because Jon Stewart was part of Apple's uh, Apple's sphere than it was that it was a hit show. It was a great get. It was a feather in their cap that they signed him. Mm-hmm. I'd also say that I like Jon Stewart a lot, um, but he, I, I'm not sure how committed he is to this. I mean, he, he was burned out by The Daily Show. He didn't want to come back and do something that was like The Daily Show again. And this show was struggling to find out what it wanted to be. And again, he was in a position where I guess he he wanted to do something. Keep in mind, he had a HBO deal that fell apart, too, where they were trying to do something and it just sort of didn't work. I think Jon Stewart, this is one of his challenges is he doesn't really have to do anything, but he does want to do some things. But what and how does he make that work? And I think that that is going into this, too, which, by the way, is why when there's when there's this report that it's drama free. I I tend to believe it is because I think John Stewart, you know, he probably has uh, some uh, empathy for his staff. Although since they picked up the show, there's probably a you know payout and severance and all that for the staff. But like John Stewart, fundamentally, can just walk away if it's not a project that he wants to be involved with anymore. And it sounds like that's bottom line what happened here. So I don't know because like literally, John Stewart doesn't need to do anything <laughs> so so i mean i'm sure he wants to right I'm sure, he, I'm sure he wants to do projects but uh doesn't need to put up with anything so anyway i i think this is unfortunate in the sense that if you're apple you you hire somebody like this and you you got to just say look they're gonna they they got they have editorial independence um and you should just accept that at the same time if you're apple and the show isn't really working for you on any other level, and you see you're just gonna you're gonna just get more trouble. Um, that's when you go to John Stewart and you say, This isn't working. And we can make we can make this more dramatic if we want it to be, but it sounds like it really wasn't that dramatic. It was uh and and yes, as you said, 
it's this is a big corporation paying for this content and um and that that's all the big corporations do this and all of them have these issues and yes apple's relationship with china is absolutely going to be a lens through which apple sees the world and makes decisions based on it and we should all be aware of that too that's absolutely the case yep. that 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 is the way i'll also say remember expensive nbc Remember that report? I was just thinking of that exact quote myself. Right, which was, by the way, by Trip Mickle, <laughs> my favorite writer. He's the one who reported about this story, NBC he? back in yeah. the day. Didn't, didn't he break this exact story at the New York Times? Uh, maybe so. This was maybe Trip so. Mickle, yes. Expensive NBC. So I'll just say, also, it's who did you get the information from? We always talk about that on this show. Well, who's yeah. the source? Why did they give it? So that's that's my guess here is if if Matt Bellany is saying it seemed pretty drama free, it wasn't working. They decided to go their separate we're, ways. We're big Bellany fans on this show. And yeah, so I no, trust really what good. Matt Bellany says more than anybody else in this uh, in this sphere. Yeah. yeah. So so the people who are breaking this, maybe there's no drama there, but you know, if you're a producer on the problem with Jon Stewart and you were working on something about China or about the 2024 election or whatever, and then Jon Stewart has an all hands meeting where he says, look, I talked to Apple executives, they're uncomfortable. Um, I'm uncomfortable with going on with without this. Um, they're not really behind us. We're just going to walk away. And that's the end of the show. I, it would be very easy for me to be like, oh man, Apple is censoring me because I was doing this story about China and that's why they came down on us. And it's like, is that why? Is that exactly why? Is it part of a much larger picture? That's where you get your expensive NBC, for those who don't remember, which was a hit piece about Apple TV programming that said that Tim Cook was going to watch all the shows and read all the scripts and mm -hmm. that it needed to not have any adult content on it. <laughs> and I believe there is an M-F- within the first 10 seconds of the morning show starting. It was very clear. Yeah, and also the first scene of C. Uh, yes. One and the of first the scene in C. graphic things I've seen on television. Yeah. Very clearly not accurate but what happened was somebody probably on amazing stories which was originally calibrated to be for adults and then was taken bought by apple tv but they wanted it to be remember amazing stories that one really did well did that ever come out it did oh and then God. it sunk beneath the sea but the point there is that they recalibrated spielberg recalibrated it with apple for families and certainly the people who were working on it before this is my theory anyway were really mad that apple had taken their more adult focus show and turn it into a more family focused show and so that's where expensive nbc came from is this idea that man apple censoring us so consider the source but also i don't want to soft pedal the fact that apple is a big uh corporation and there's stuff that they don't want to wade into if they can avoid it because it's sensitive for them and that is not just true of Apple, but that is true of Amazon, and it is true of Netflix, and it is true it is true of Disney. It is true of literally all of the big corporations. Yep. That's gonna happen. And so, so I'm not saying don't blame Apple here, but I'm saying if if this is your sort of shock moment where you're like, oh, I can't, oh, why I never right? And it's like, well, guess what? This happens all the time. And it's something you got to be aware of. It's why, you know, certain movies don't get made because they're not going to get distributed in China. Although lately, nothing is getting distributed in China. Therefore, that will change how they calibrate what they uh, what they make. This is just how um, the business of entertainment works. Sometimes 
uh, parts of John Oliver are cut out when they're broadcast here in the UK. Oh, I know. Oh, well, they and they lean into that, right? They they mm-hmm. they now make alternate uh, joke clips yeah. to put in the UK version because yeah. what like depicting Parliament isn't allowed. Nah, I mean, the one I'm thinking or, he made he made some he made a lot of jokes about the Queen after the Queen died, yes. like immediately, and it's just a bit yes. Like, All right, John, thank you. John Oliver yeah. loves to remind you that he's British and then also talk about the fact that he hates it, which is a very yes. interesting mix. I That's love John his, Oliver. Absolutely. But that part I find to be quite frustrating. But hey, yep. you know, we not, nobody's, nobody's no effect, Jason Snow. <laughs> no, that's for sure. By the way, just before we uh, move on, um, host of The Daily Show is open. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. They were going to give it to uh, Hassan Minaj, oh, uh, right? Hassan Minaj, and then the New Yorker story came out about him fabricating his stories, and it's kind of hard for a show that's about the news uh, to have that as a host. So apparently, that deal fell apart. So they're still looking. John, don't do it. He's back on the market. This episode is brought to you by Factor. With the busy fall season fully in swing, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for your jam-packed days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You're going to save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store. They have fresh, never-frozen meals that are all ready in just two minutes. And you have more than 34 flavor-packed options to choose from each and every week. And they're changing up, so you get new stuff. You can relish the best of autumn fall flavors. They're limited-time only, hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry, my word, cranberry pecan chicken, an apple cranberry. De- cranberry and apple pecan. Dijon pecan cranberry pecan chicken, chicken. and yeah. apple Dijon pork chops. That is a I will say for this time of year that is like American chicken, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Ready in just two minutes, they'll satisfy your full cravings during the busy season without the hassle. And if you're looking for something special, you know, maybe you want to put on a tuxedo and eat for lunch, you can get the Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Plus, you're going to keep your energy up with lunch to go. Factors effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers, no microwave required. Then, to finish your order, Choose from more than 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and smoothies. Jason, did you have any American chicken? What have you been getting from Factor? American chicken! Come closer to me! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's uh, it. That's I had it. to change the lyrics. I don't uh, want it to stay away because their chicken was so close. great. It was It was the, you know, sometimes you get the chicken and it's like, um, mm, like, not all, like, Look, chicken can be pretty variable, but the stuff yeah. that was in these boxes was uh, legit, like really, really great. Big, like chicken breast, white meat, like so good. Um, all the ingredients were really fresh and good. And that was the thing that impressed me the most about Factor was that I did not feel like I was getting weird, you know, remainder ingredients that, you know, help bring the box up to profit margin. It didn't feel like that at all. They were really high quality ingredients through and through. And you'll be making a sustainable choice because Factor offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door and source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices. 
This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered directly to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com upgrade50 and use the code upgrade50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code upgrade50 at factormeals.com upgrade50 for 50% off your first box. A thanks to Factor for their support of this show. And Relay FM, American Chicken. Let's do some Ask Upgrade questions to finish out today's show. Uh, you're you're going to get across the line. We're going to drag We're you across do the finish it. line, Mike. We're going to do it. You're going to make asks, it. asks, are you bothered by the fingerprints on your midnight MacBook Air? That was a big thing at the time. You know, I am so tired of people talking about fingerprints and stuff. Um I am not even remotely bothered. Are Don't there fingerprints care. on it if I look? I, I guess so, but like there are probably a lot at this point. Don't care. Love the Midnight MacBook Air. Love how it looks. Uh, don't care about the fingerprints. Uh, so no, no, absolutely not. Do not care. This is in a similar vein, I think, from Jordy, who asks, last week you had a question from a listener about having the screen face up or down when you don't use a case, which made me wonder, do you use a screen protector? Absolutely not. No cases, no screen protector. I hate them. Hate them. Never met a screen protector I liked, you know? I was visiting my mom and she has a screen protector on her phone. I was like using her phone. I'm like, oh, oh. Here's the thing about screen protectors. I don't like how they feel, but also I wouldn't be able to not peel it off. Like over time, you know, I'd like start picking at it. I can't live my life that way. Nope. Don't like them. And Anonymous asks, with the recent Apple Pencil announcement and otherwise somewhat odd updates or no updates at all to certain products over the course of the last year, do you think this could be a result of Apple putting a majority of their resources into Vision Pro? And as a result, the other product lines are suffering for it. I know it's a strange question considering how massive Apple is, but if it's still true that their engineering teams are quite small in comparison to the company's size, could it be a possibility? I think the answer is more complex, right? Yeah. I think that the I think that Vision Pro is probably part of it, but also it's everything else, right? It's yeah. COVID. Uh because they work way ahead. It's COVID and disruptions to being back in the office. It's supply chain. It's probably things involving certain parts. Remember, they had the legacy nodes thing for a long time where they couldn't get certain parts. And I know that was a while ago, but again, it takes time for that all to clear. They are on a new chip process with this three nanometer thing from TSMC. They may have staked a whole bunch of their future products to the three nanometer process, but uh, they may have limits in what uh, what the volume is from that process, right? There are there's inflation there like there's lots of stuff so i would say i don't think we can put point at one thing and say this is why apple's you know updates seem to be kind of off i think it's probably like a whole lot of stuff that's happened dating all the way back even into uh into 2020 and the pandemic in terms of disrupting and that sometimes those echoes take a while to come through. Um, is Vision Pro and all the stuff that they put into it part of it? Yeah, I think so. Although again, I got the impression that the Vision Pro hardware has been done for a while now and mm-hmm. it really is the software that is still in process. So, But still, there was a time when they were building Vision Pro as a product and that took resources away from other products. 
I've been hearing this a lot, right? Like at the moment, it kind of feels like if there's anything that Apple isn't doing that somebody wants them to do, they're blaming Vision Pro. Yeah. And I'm not sure that this argument holds water in general. Like, I feel like they would have start, they should have staffed up for this. It is a different product, right? So they should have had some new people working on it. They're also a very large company. They can assign people as needed. I don't think that it is the bottleneck for the whole company. Similar in the way to me, like kind of dovetailing to what we we're just talking about. This idea when Apple was getting into TV that people were convinced that the company was not going to be focused on its laptops anymore. <laughs> right, right. Right. Too busy working on this script to the morning show to write a new to do a new laptop. Sorry. I know we'll this is there. a little closer, but I've got to assume that they have people in the Vision Pro and Vision OS teams working on these products that aren't necessarily being taken from the iPad team. But I don't know. If you would like to send us a question, that's it for Ask Upgrade now. It's over. It is. It's, you would like, it's over. You can send us your feedback, follow-up and questions at UpgradeFeedback.com. You can check out my writing you. at SixColors.com and hear my podcast at TheIncomparable.com and here on Relay FM. And you can listen to Mike's podcast, of course, here on Relay FM. Check out his work at CortexBrand.com. You can find us on Mastodon. I am Jay Snell at Zeppelin.Flights. Mike is iMike at Mike.Social. You can also find us on Mastodon as Upgrade at RelayFM.Social. And there are video clips made, uh, edited by Chip and distributed by Jamie, uh, on uh, Mastodon, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Upgrade Relay on those last three. We're on Threads, iMike, and Jay Snell. Thank you to our members who support us with Upgrade Plus. Thank you to our sponsors, Factor, Memberful, and FitBod. And most of all, thank you for listening and thank you, Mike Hurley, for surviving to the end of this podcast with your cold. I appreciate it. Anytime. Say goodbye, Mike Hurley. Goodbye, Mike Hurley.